Welcome to Tachlis Talks and next installment in our Shalom Bias series. First, a very important note. Uh, feedback we've gotten, hey, is, is this limited to those who are married? I'm not married yet or I'm no longer married. Does Shalom Bias, does the terminology apply to me? Do any of these talks apply to me? And the answer is, if you are human and interfacing with other human beings, Absolutely. Shalom is something that God wants our whole world to operate with. Shalom. We dive in for shalom in a grand uh, element. Uh, Sim shalom, shalom rav. Constantly asking that there be greater shalom within our world. Our primary focus in these particular talks in the Shalom Bias series is on the dynamic of marriage. But all of these lessons apply beyond that as well. And if you are interfacing with a senior parent, a teenage child, a, a coworker with whom you work uh, on a constant basis and either have some bumps in the dialogue and the communication that have to be smoothed out or are looking to be able to get along in a more positive, intense way, there are probably elements that can be applied from our, each of our Shalom Bias lessons to that. Although arguably, in the primary focus of this particular series will be on the relationship of marriage. So again... If you're blessed to be in that state or heading toward that state, use it there. If not, take these lessons and apply them uh, in all other aspects of relationship. And odds are, even those who are for whatever reason at this juncture not married and not even aspiring toward that, there probably are people with whom you interface that some of this information may come in handy uh, in helping guide them. This parsha, Lech Lecha, our Shalom Bayes series, we said, is not, quote-unquote, married to the Parsha, but happens to be that this is the Parsha of the foundational couple in Jewish history, Avraham and Sarah. And I believe, just hit me as it's about to start recording, I believe the first dialogue recorded in the Torah between a husband and a wife is in this week's Parsha. I mean, clearly we've had other couples, Adam and Eve, and we know about things that Adam told Eve, or how he talked about Eve, and we have uh, Noah uh, has a wife and everybody in between, but Avraham, I believe, is the first comment ever shared between a husband and a wife recorded in the Torah, is fascinatingly, Avraham telling Sarah, he nay na yadati, behold, now I know, that you are a beautiful woman. Now he's telling her this in the context, I've got to worry about those Egyptians and what they're going to do, but how fascinating that that's the first comment recorded. Very touching, positive comment. And even the opening words, like, alas, now I know, is, if I'm not mistaken, a, a, a style of speech that reflects on a certain humility and, and acknowledging the other in a very gracious way. So use that as our kind of foundation of how we are supposed to talk to our spouse in the humble way, in a gracious way, acknowledging some positive element about them. And in this case, his acknowledging her beauty. And in the words, the eyes of the sages, whenever we talk about the beauty of our Four of our forebearers, in this case, are the, the imahos, the foremothers. Uh, we are reflecting on the fact that it is a beauty that radiates from inside out, and uh, it's far more than an issue of being skin deep. 
it, it penetrates because it really comes from the inside and is a description of something at their core of beauty. Our focus today on an issue that was raised, and I actually want to share also for anybody else who wants to raise issues, comments, questions, concerns, topics you'd like to talk about, uh, send messages to talklesscoaching at gmail.com. And the following is paraphrased from somebody's question. She gets upset when I don't acknowledge her comments. But A, her comments are often simply chatter. And B, she should know this is how I operate. We've been married for over 15 years. Dot, 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 dot. Um, your thoughts. Well, let's kind of break this down into two topics. I want to start with, we've been married over 15 years. We've been married a long time, and that's kind of how I operate, and she should know that. Let's say she even does know that. And this is how you operate, but um, I would like to suggest that even if, in fact, you think your marriage is stable because it's been for so long, and this is just set, this is how we operate, in next week's Torah portion, when the angels are talking to Avraham about his wife, Sarah, uh, without getting too involved right now, this is not in next week's Parsha class, but the way Rashi interprets what's happening in their dialogue, they are bringing to light a positive trait about Sarah, that Avram should be attentive to Sarah's, in that case, her modesty, so as to help boost their shalom, their shalom bias. Now, Avram and Sarah at this point have been married for decades, and nonetheless, there's a notion of doing what can be done to make, to endear one's wife to themselves, to them. Uh, to do something to make her more chaviv upon her husband, that she should be more dear in the eyes of her husband, more precious. So if that applies to an Avram and a Sarah, whose shalom bias was good, and I'm sure they were not dealing with the, the fallout from lack of attention, but we'll get to that hopefully in a few moments. So there's no such thing as We've married a long time and therefore no reason to enhance our shalom. And secondly, even if you're not worried about her walking out and giving up on you, but your job is to see to it that you bring shalom to your home. And shalom doesn't just mean no battle. Certainly in this context, if she's constantly expressing frustration, that is a minor form of battle. So we're not in a state of even the most basic shalom. But since shalom means it should be harmonious and blissful, it should not be that on a regular basis she's having to vent about something that bothers her. So I would say, number one, let's leave off the we've been married for X amount of time, or she should know this is how I am, if, in fact, there's an element of a flaw and you're not responding to her comments. We have to look at that part. How do we deal with she's making comments that the topic is just not meaningful to me? It's just chatter. Or there are a lot of those comments, and I've got a lot to do. I have to be attentive to other things, and uh, it's disruptive. So I want to start with a very interesting study that was done by, um, I think it was the Gottman Institute. Uh, John Gottman, I think, um, out of, if I'm not mistaken, Washington um, State uh, University, or one of the universities out there on, on the West Coast, Northwest Coast, I believe. So he did a study where he analyzed couples using a measure of six years from the time when they had gotten married and divided them into categories where he had one group of couples who he described as being marriage masters and the other group who were marriage disasters. Now, disasters would include that the marriage had already terminated by the six-year line or 
they were still married, but in going uh, through uh, difficulties, going through therapy, where the marriage was far from smooth. Those were the marriage disasters, six years and over with, or significant trouble. The marriage masters married six years, and both husband and wife would indicate on a survey that overall we describe our marriage as a happy marriage. And he wanted to find common threads within each group. So to find within the marriage masters something that all of them shared, and in the marriage disasters something that all of them shared. And he came to the following discovery, that when it came to this topic of one spouse sharing a comment, how did the other spouse respond was a significant uh, indicator over here. He refers to this as bidding, where one bid for the other's attention. How does spouse B respond when spouse A makes a bid for attention? So for example, um, if spouse A were to indicate, oh, like look at those beautiful flowers over there. They're taking a walk. Look at the beautiful flowers. Does spouse B respond with, Oh yeah, like brilliant colors. Oh, oh, how do you notice things started blooming already? Or some type of reaction to the flowers, positive or even rather neutral, but at least like indicating that yes, I've, I've taken note of that which you draw attention to. So I'm at least kind of reacting to that bid in a neutral or positive way. Or was there a lack of response to that bid? She commented about the flowers, and I'm like, in my mind, who, who cares about flowers? Like, I've got more important things in my mind. Or again, either I articulate that, or a rolling of the eyes, something that's less than a neutral reaction. Uh, so no reaction, or a negative reaction. So that would be a con- conflicting reaction to the bid. And he noted that within the couples, who were the marriage masters, there was an over 87% rate of positive response to bidding. So again, one couple makes a comment, the other responds in a way that's acknowledging the comment, even though the comment was not something of particular import to the other party. It wasn't like you're commenting about me, you're commenting about something out there and that I respond that yes, I've taken note of that which you've made attention to, drawn attention to. In the marriage disasters, it was about 33% of the time that there was a reaction, meaning that in the couples that marriages had fallen apart or were falling apart or were described as rather uncomfortable, the bid was far more often than not simply ignored or dismissed somehow. And he uses this as an indication that part of the glue of marriage that helps secure that the marriage becomes a masterful marriage is that there's a recognition that if he is making a comment to me, he's asking for my attention. If she makes a comment while I'm in the room, she is similarly asking for my attention and it behooves me to give that attention. Let's even for a moment move away from the benefits for the marriage, but at an interpersonal level. Somebody is asking you for something and you are the only party who can currently respond by giving them that which they're asking for. Isn't that what's happening over here? 
if you make a bid trying to get my attention and I'm the only person in the room, you're seeking some attention and I'm the only one who can provide it. Doesn't it behoove me to act in a giving manner and respond? And given that we are hopefully all oriented towards trying to be givers, godly trait, being there for the other. So if somebody's turning to us, needing something that only I can provide, it behooves me to do so. And all the more so where it is under the banner of the, uh, of the elements of what I'm accepting to do when I opt to share my life with you and be there for you and provide you, well, with all types of material needs and all types of social and emotional support. So pulling it full circle over here, Frustration because she keeps raising topics that aren't meaningful to me. Well, by the very definition of the fact that she's raising them, that must be meaningful to me. The topic overall may not be, but she is and her need for attention is. So both from the perspective of being a good guy and being a giver and being a caring person, let's be there for her. And from the perspective of trying to shift away from a potential disaster to a situation of master, avoiding the disaster to be the masterful marriage. Let's try to learn to respond to those bids. And don't let it be overwhelming. Oh, I've got to be that 87.9% of the time that was in the John Gottman study to be the masterful marriage, and I've been only the 33% of the disasters. How am I going to bridge that 50% gap? One bid at a time. Be there for in the moment. And if you find yourself slipping, you know, okay, I responded X number of times. Sometimes I I was a little more distant. The next time, be there. Just focus on each situation. Basically, use use her voice like those voice-activated machines. Her voice should be activating your reaction. And the reaction should not be the rolling of the eyes or here we go again, but should be the reaction of, okay, here, I'm going to turn on my uh, giving mode, my caring mode, my attention mode, and respond in a positive way. Let's aim towards that, aim towards those people who, not 88%, 100%, will be there to whatever degree we can, as long as it's not interrupting something that is of immense, critical, other life-saving importance. Uh, You're not in the middle of your your prayer of the uh, Amida or the Shema. Uh, As a general rule, if she is bidding for your attention, the right response is that positive reaction. Let's aim towards that. As always, send your feedback, your comments, critiques, concerns, questions that you'd like to address in the future to coaching at gmail. And let's all continue to be the type of people who continue to aspire to always achieve Eratachlis.